the business is brought to you by audible.com everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Married with a Business. I'm Craig. And I'm Allison. And we're back for season six of Married with a Business. Woo-hoo. We're This is exciting. Yeah, um, it's, it, we've been trying to get our ducks in a row. Yeah, I think that, you know, this for us has been a building thing and we're learning as we do it. And I think it's kind of fun and I think we're learning more and more the things that we are good at and the things that we need to work on when it comes to doing a podcast and helping people out and getting out the things that are in our head out to people. There's so much I want to do that hopefully in the next couple of months we'll start to see more of uh, the ideas that I want to share with you guys, though. Yeah. But speaking of sharing, Allison, what has happened uh, recently with you? Well, it's not quite recently, but since we've been on last, we, over Memorial Day weekend, got the chance to chaperone about 11 scouts for a trip to Martha's Vineyard. We were doing a bicycle and camping trip, and um, these kids worked super hard. But we biked 19 miles the first day, and in the middle of the night, I got a Charlie horse, and I woke up stuck in my sleeping bag, um, finally got up, and I slipped in the the tent and the next morning I went to bend my knee and I had a very sharp pain and so for the last few weeks I've been dealing with the pain and going to the MRI and tomorrow we're supposed to go back to see the orthopedist to see uh, do I have a tear if it's not a tear what is it because um, I have mobility but I'm in a lot of pain yeah it's you're you're usually not a person that complains a lot about not feeling well or having something that hurts. Uh, so for you over the last you know month or two, like to have this going on and talking about how it is constantly in pain. I have to tell you, after 40, every year gets a little rougher, it, man. It starts to all fall <laughs> apart. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, and especially uh, you hurt yourself and you're like, ah, uh, it can't be that bad. It'll feel better in a day. And then a day you're like, ah, give it a week. Uh, it's been, it's only been a week. I'll give it two weeks. And then finally, like you were, you reached a point where you're like, oh, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get good news. Um, if there's no tear, I don't know what's wrong because like it hurts really bad right now. Yeah. that's. But I gotta, I gotta go to work. Can't you can't just take time off because you're 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 uncomfortable. So I have a feeling that this will be an evolving story over the next few episodes. Oh no! <laughs> um, so Allison, uh, you know we're starting off season six. Uh, what are we What are we starting with this season? Well, I was recently invited by the South Shore Women's Business Network to come and do a presentation on communication, and so I thought that this would be a good jumping off place to kind of share that meeting and some of the things that we talked about. And we talk a lot about communication on this podcast. I mean, I think everything that we do as a husband and wife team and everything that we do with our team at work, it you know, it is in, in our clients and our trade partners, everything. It's really like the foundation of all of it is good and clear and concise communication. And one of the things for years I kind of thought was a fluffy, businessy thing was core values, right? And a few years ago, we did we did do an exercise where we sat down and we tried to verbalize what our core values are. And it was all the things that we always do, but trying to come up with really good ways to communicate them. And so now what we do with every presentation and every program is we start off with sharing what our team's core values are and why they're our core values. And so um, that's one of the things I did in this 
presentation as well is because communication is one of our big four core values. Um, we want to give clear and concise information to people, whether that's our clients or the people we work with or the general public. And so for years, we have said to everybody, we've said to our clients and we've said to our teammates or team members, and we've said to friends and everything, we've said the same exact phrase. To be clear is to be kind. And I, I, we've talked about like the origin of that, right? So we think we heard it first from Dave Ramsey. Yes, but I think he, I think he said it the other way because we've talked for years about how we do entree leadership, and I think in that he said to be unclear is to be unkind, and so. Um, I try to make us as clear as possible. Um, and sometimes I think it's almost too clear and I don't know how else to say things. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I think Brene Brown says it a different way. I think she says clear is kind, unclear is unkind. It's a common phrase. I think you hear in the, in the world of, of motivational speakers and people who kind of are there helping people grow and talk. Right. And I take it. And when I internalize it, I think if I can give you the best directive of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, you are going to understand it the best. So it is kind to be clear and to not give you half a half an instance. For instance, I just said, sent somebody a text and I said, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? And the answer was nothing. And I really should have said, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Amanda can cut their hair at 1.30. And so the answer back was, okay. So I said, so 1.30 would work for you? So just kind of trying to Fill in all those gaps and even sometimes if we're talking a little bit more so we're getting the full sentence. Yeah, I think a lot of times in, in, in all communication, if we're talking to our friends, our family, our, our coworkers, I think a lot of times we know what we are thinking about and know what we're saying, but we don't 100% process that or put that out into the ways that we communicate, especially today where it's, it's, it's not – Communication is becoming less and less and less about a conversation, right? Communication is becoming more and more about the passage of information. And if that is an email or some sort of text or emoji, or emoji right? And so uh, I can remember back in college, uh, they had this thing, and this update myself here. I mean, we did have computers in co when I was in college, but we used to have AOL Instant Messenger. And Instant Messenger was very similar to text messaging, if you remember, but through computers. And so our college campus, Everybody had ALL Instant Messenger. And I can remember having these conversations uh, with people about how, like, how to understand people's emotions and feelings and, and talking about how un unclear the communication can be in a five-line text versus a conversation between two people. Right. Um, I really like the quote by George Bernard Shaw. The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. You think you said something, but they did not receive that message. Yeah, and we see this a lot. You know, I, I've experienced a lot with people who, you know, I think at the end they they think they are being clear and they think that they're being clear to, you know, everybody and they're not. And, and then it, it, I think not having the ability or the want or the – or being able to listen to – people uh, not understanding you sometimes affects your ability. Like you, you don't change. You need to be able to change. And, uh, we have, we have people that we know that don't, aren't great at explaining what their why is or what their, why they're asking the questions and they want the answer before they even explain what the purpose of the question is. And so I think thinking about like, 
being able to augment and change the way that you communicate can help be clearer. Right. We get, we're get we being bombarded with so many messages, so many texts, so many emojis that it's, it's even harder for our brain to process those things. So, Craig, why do you think communi- clear communication is important in at work or at home? Well, I mean, I think the, the reason and the most obvious reason is, is that people understand what the goal is. People understand what you're trying to say. Yeah, I think that really helps reduce frustration. And I, I've i started to use the phrase with our team is, I want to reduce friction wherever we can. Yeah, I think that having people understand what you are clearly trying to say and ask or talk about is, is important. We have a team member that we have to always remind them, hey, listen, I know you told that person two weeks ago that you have a meeting tomorrow at 8 o'clock. You need to remind them the day before you have a meeting tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Right. You got to send them a text. I, we have a meeting on uh, in two days. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to send everybody a group text, confirm the meeting, make sure I have everybody's coffee orders, um, and then maybe even that morning say, do another text. Are we still on? Yeah. Do what? Do you, how, how do you when somebody says to you, Allison? Well, that's just. I feel like I'm being annoying. I'm telling them too many times. Like, what do you say back to that? Until they tell you you're being annoying, I think that you're fine because ninety percent of the time, people appreciate the reminder. I I liken it to when you and I are in the car together. I will often point things out to you and say it in. 90% of the time, you're like, oh, my goodness, I know, I know. And then one time, you're like, oh, I didn't see that cat. Or, oh, thank you for telling me. It's it's the one time we catch it that saves us, right? You think I'm going to hit a cat with the car? Is that what you're concerned I about? I don't know. Or the kid <laughs> or the whatever. It's, it's about limiting misunderstandings. And if we get, again, it's because we get so many messages. I don't want my message to be lost. And a lot of times with my team, I'll say, I know you already know this. I I know you've already done this, but it'll make me feel better to make sure that we touch base on it. Well, and I use the phrase a lot that we need to have clear and concise communication. Like we need to be able to tell people clearly, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This is when we're doing it. Right. We don't have to reshare the whole story, but if as long as we're hitting those bullet points again, you know, it leads to a better understanding of each other too. If people know why we're doing things, they're not having to fill those what ifs in by themselves. Right, right. Which then again saves us time and saves us money. Right. And that's I mean, at the end of the day, that's the goal, right? We're all trying to become better because we want more time and it'd be nice to have some more money. Right. And we want to have less frustration in our days. So one of the things we also talked about in this communication workshop was how words matter. How you say things is almost as important as what you say. Right. You were listening to a book recently. You started talking about how we need to turn negative phrases into positive phrases. Yeah. Jesse Cole's new book, Banana Ball, which is about the Savannah Bananas. And he talks about in that book, like how he used to say things like uh, no problem, which is, uh, you know, which is both two negative words, no and problem. They're negative words, right? And so trying to take that and change it into something like my pleasure, you know? So using positive, more positive words helps, you know, in the scheme of things, make people feel better, make it feel like it's not negative. Well, and people respond better to positive language, even if it's not on a conscious level. Um, so some of the other phrases we had talked about were instead of saying why not, sounds good. 
um, again, changing that not of a negative to something positive. Yeah, definitely. And it's, and I will say for my, I've been trying to do this now for, I don't know, about three or four months. It's really hard. It is hard. It's like, I like the phrase, no worries. Like I always tell people, oh, no worries, no worries. But then I'm like, boy, both no and worry are both like negative words. And I got to figure out a way to be better about not using that phrase. What What do you say instead? I don't know. Like I've been working on that. That's why I say, you know, my pleasure or anytime, like I, I'm trying to find something that fits it. Well, can't complain is another phrase that is very common in our in our language. You know, instead of that, you could say everything's going well. Thank you. Yep. I forgot is a is a is a big one. Instead of I forgot, saying something more along the lines of I'll make sure to set a reminder. How about when it's taking you a little bit longer to get a proposal out to somebody? You in the past have always said what? I would say I'm sorry a lot. And so now you've been instead of that I seen you working on thank you for your patience yeah. i've been working really hard on this to get it right yeah changing those phrases from the from negative so i'd be interested to see what kind of phrases you all are are using a lot that are negative and what you could do to change that into a positive so i would challenge you this week to Listen to yourself and catch yourself using negative phrases because, you know, positive language can make you feel better and it can make the person you're you're interacting with feel better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, the no worries one is so is so hard for me, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to work on it. Well, and I miss you. I haven't seen you in a while. Um, instead of that, it's so great to see you. Um, I appreciate you being here. Again, it's it takes the onus from I miss you. Um, like it's their fault to, I appreciate you being here. Someone who doesn't want to be appreciated and right. told that they're appreciated. Absolutely. So one other thing that we we talked a lot about in our communication workshop was please and thank you. We've You and I, this has been something I think, uh, and uh, I don't even know where the origin is for you and I on this. We have done this. You have done this way longer than me. Uh, but please and thank you is one of those things that I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, 20 years ago, like just disappeared in our language. And again, not using it versus using it changes the way people respond to you. If the way you ask somebody to do something, could you please do this for me, gives them the choice. You know, people want to feel heard and they want to feel like they're needed and respected. And even if they don't really have a choice because what they're doing is mandatory, just the fact that you ask them by saying please, it comes out as less of a directive and more of a collaborative way of doing things. And we've been working, our production staff, we've been really working with them on this because I think that, you know, when you when you are, you know, a boots on the ground, carpenter type person, you know, sometimes those words aren't the words that you use on a job site. They're just not common words on a job site. We are conditioned to use certain language and certain communication skills in different aspects of our life. And um, sometimes we just need to be encouraged to use them in better ways. And I think that, you know, that that's another example of, for you and I, sort of a, you know, a top-down mentality where, like, if we're doing it, we expect everybody else to do it. As yeah. owners of the company, if we're saying, hey, please and thank you and hey, you know, and all the, uh, and using it regularly, then it shows our team members that we expect you to have that in your communication as well. Right, because the way, there are five, like, there are about five um, 
truths about human interaction, right? People want to be respected. They want to be asked rather than told. They want to know why. Um, They want to have options over threats and they want to have a second chance. So the way you ask, the way you present, the way you communicate really can make a difference. People are always trying to understand and to be understood. And I, and I think that, you know, that old adage of you treat people like how you want to be treated is, is kind of where all that stems from. So I would say that when you're listening to this this week, the goal for you should really be to think about how you're communicating. How are you being clear or unclear with what you're doing? Yeah. And I think that, you know, to be clear is to be kind is a is a hundred percent spot on and to make sure people understand the why, why you're asking the question, what, what's the purpose of what the communication is. I mean, I think that there's so many times in this world, if it is in communications with an extracurricular activity uh, that you're in a group with, if it's communication in your business, if it's communication with your spouse, like being clear as to, and I think, in our in our relationship, and I think in a lot of relationships with husbands and wives, we definitely will just assume you know what I'm talking about. Right. And I think we're, and I will admit that I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it, and, and it sometimes, you know, if you're not careful, can lead to a boiling point. Right? Yeah. I can't read your mind. You can't read my mind. So if we're having a communication, if we're talking, and we're and we're and Obviously, the other person's not getting it or the other person's getting frustrated. We know we have to stop and reset and figure it back out. I'm not asking you to do things for busy work. There's a reason behind it. And why wouldn't I share the reason behind it? It's only not getting shared just because it doesn't occur to me to do it. But you knowing what the value is of me asking you to do something or wanting something makes you more willing to do it and makes you less well they always want me to blah 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 and I don't know why okay so we have to be more intentional about sharing that why as a matter of course yeah absolutely and we also need to figure out more ways for you to pull out your rah 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 voice I like that that was fun Um, Allison, you and I right now on audible.com and you get a free 30 days of audible on us. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash biz married, sign up there. You get a free 30 days of audible on us. Um, you and I right now, uh, how you have fully listened to it. I am nearly done with the book, the comfort crisis by Michael Easter. And this book is, I, I will tell you this, this book is intense it's very, very intense. It's but amazing. It is amazing. It's amazing. So real quickly, the kind of synopsis of the book is, why are we so anxious as a society? And how, how did we get there over the development of time of the fact that we have continued to create a more and more comfortable life and our fight and fl- or flight responses are going haywire yeah we're afraid we're afraid of discomfort now like that the the premise of the book is is that we need to you know work outside of our box a little bit more and make ourselves uncomfortable yeah and so and how we've been raising almost two generations of kids who we have made things too easy for if it's too hard they don't have to learn to tie their shoes they don't have to learn to ride their bike and so 
Now they don't even try to do hard things. And so when we took these group of kids to Martha's Vineyard, some of them had never ridden a bike on a street. Some of them had never been away from home. Um, So they were nervous. And the first thing I said to them is I was like, guys, you are amazing and you can do hard things. We're going to do hard things. And they biked in the heat and up hills. And when they thought that they weren't going to be able to do it, they they said, Miss Allison, we just heard you saying, saying that you knew we could do hard things. And they went home and they told their parents that they did hard things. And I was so proud of them. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, it was amazing to take these kids. I mean, they, they were, listen, we rode, night. I mean, I ride bikes a lot. So 19 miles, especially with kids, was, was not that bad for me. But th- it was tough for some of these kids. And like they, there were, uh, you know, there were kids that fell off bikes and scratched knees and all that. And those kids uh, got back up. They kept going. We finished the day. We got to our campsite. They set up tents. And, it, you know, I think the, the coolest thing to me was is uh, we got back uh, after going over to the vineyard. We drove we drove back over. Uh, there's no tunnel. You have to take a boat, by the way, in case people ever wonder. Uh, <laughs> that's. Uh, but we got back and... Um, you know, I said to the kids, I was like, you're going to go back to school tomorrow because school was still in. And I said, you got to go back to school tomorrow. And I was like, you got to tell your friends, you rode 30 miles this weekend on a bike. Like, nobody's going to believe you that you did that. You did something that nobody else in your school did this weekend. Except for the kids that were on the trip. Right. But and no one can ever take that away from those kids that they did that. And so this this book, the crisis, the comfort crisis by Michael Easter, talks about his uh, thirty three day hunting backpacking expedition into the Alaskan backcountry, sort of interspersed with these other stories and, and anecdotes to go along with how we need to like work on the physical and mental health portions of being uncomfortable, and how you know one of the reasons that we're the most overweight we've ever been in this country, and you know, and everything has gotten so easy is because we don't work outside of of our comfort zone and and that as humans we our design our blueprint is to be uncomfortable and to survive and so we've all made, we've made it too easy to survive in some ways listen and I'm not saying let's go all out and like live off the grid but um really take a listen to this book I it's one of the best books I've listened to in the re- in recently just I I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, so check it out, The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. It's available on audible.com, and you get a free 30 days of Audible on us. Just go to audibletrial.com slash bizmarried. Sign up there. You get a free 30 days. Well, it's good to be back. Season 6 kicking off. We've got exciting things to talk about. We've got stories to share. Um, We've got a lot happening over the next, you know, 10 weeks or so. So thanks for listening. Tell all your friends. Go out there. Share us online. Like and subscribe check out our website it's marriedwithabusiness.net and on there you can sign up to be a guest you can find some resources you can find all of our old episodes you can see pictures of us and read read about us and other podcasts and shows that we've been on yeah so definitely check that out marriedwithabusiness.net thanks everybody for listening and remember not only is it important to focus on your business but also your marriage because we're married with a business